Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. So it is the, the fall festival in Jerusalem. I don't know if, uh, if they had beer, but um, I don't know how it could be a good fall festival without it. But uh, nevertheless, people from all over the place were in Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles, which was a fancy way of saying it's camp. Everyone brought their tents, and kids and families are having the time of their lives, and they're having all of this fun together during this, this festival. But it's also at this time where Jesus said to his brothers that he didn't know that he was going to go, and then he ended up going. And he knew they were out to get it. So one incident after another, the denominational authorities from the temple were out to find fault with Jesus, something, anything. They called him crazy, they called him a liar, and and they couldn't catch him. But I believe what happened was that they got together and they, they hatched a plot. And they, I mean, who knows how this came about, but somehow early in the morning, one morning, they managed to grab a woman out of her bedroom. Should have grabbed both the man and the woman. Grabbed the woman and brought her to Jesus early in the morning. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the Gospel of John. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. Early the next morning, when he was back again at the temple, a crowd soon gathered and he sat down and talked to them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teachers, they, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap her and saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, but he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. And Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, Jesus said. She, she, no, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. So the... Religious types. The ones who have nothing really to do with real people. They're not on the ground with the people. They're in the 
isolation of the temple. And they live in the, the echo chamber of talking with one another and, and speculating with one another about what other people are doing. They are experts in the sin of others. And they, who have no real contact with real people, have, have grabbed this woman. You know, they're correct. There's a law that says that a man and a woman caught in the act of adultery should be stoned. The problem is, there is no record of that ever having been implemented. There's no instance in which we find out that, yes, this, these two were caught in the act of adultery and, and therefore we're going to stone them. The Muslims do it, but in the Old Testament record, there's no record whatsoever of them ever doing this. And, and so the, the morality is one thing, but the ethic is another one. The ethic of the people. And that is that if they catch two people, chances are they know them. They're friends, they're neighbors. And, and so it was not practiced, it is believed. We have no record, and we cannot necessarily infer from silence, but there's no record that this was ever implemented. But nevertheless, the law is the law. So they bring this, this woman. And here's the trap they're setting. In the Psalms, Augustine teaches us that the expected Messiah was to be just, merciful, and righteous. And so here's the test. If it's justice, then stoning this woman should be affirmed. If it's merciful, then she should be let free. But if he does, if he says stoner, then he's no longer a friend of sinners. He's violating mercy. But if he simply lets her off the hook, then he's violating justice. And so he's, he's got a decision to make between these two, and they want to see if he will violate and thereby demonstrate unrighteousness. Will he violate the law? Or will he violate the people? Either way, the religious authorities win. And so they, they bring this this dear woman, this poor woman. And she's alone. And she's got this angry mob around her. And they're hustling and wrestling and elbowing to get her in front of Jesus. She's terrified. In Palestine, there are rocks everywhere. Stoning this woman doesn't require anything special. Just the right kind of anger and attitude. All they have to do is get enough anger going. Enough self-righteousness. And she will go down. So Jesus is teaching in the temple. To bring this woman. He sees the anger. He sees all that, that righteousness 
that is being focused on this woman and how wrong she is, what an evil person she is. She, Jesus sees all of us. And then they ask their question, so what do we do? One, what do you say, Jesus? Jesus says nothing. He simply puts his knee to the ground and starts writing in the dust. And he says nothing. There's this divine silence that sets over the place. And when he says nothing, all they do is start getting mad at him. They were mad at her. Now, all that anger is being focused now on Jesus. Why isn't he saying anything? Why doesn't he rise to this occasion and demonstrate what kind of Messiah he really is? And Jesus, I don't even know if he looked up. He said, you without sin be the first to throw a stone. Those of you who have no sin, you, you throw the first stone. Those words have come down through the centuries and they inform all of us as to how we are to behave with one another. We're to remember that it's not for us to judge. It's not for us to pass judgment on another person. Because the reminder that we who are without sin really, even if we had no sin, which we do, we don't qualify to be the ones who throw the first stone. So that, that phrase comes down through the centuries to us, and it's always been a correction to our impulse to pass judgment on another person. Now, this past week, John Bruder, who was the coach of the Raiders, apparently said some really bad things in an email or, or something like that. So sort of like in the first century, the 21st century mob surrounds him and levels their accusations at him for what he has said. What you have said is, is homophobic and misogynist and, and, and it's horrible what you've said. It probably was horrible. I haven't, I haven't seen what he said. Probably awful. But I heard one commentator when this was being reported this week say, it doesn't matter if it was five minutes ago, five months ago, five years ago, or 25 years ago. If he did this, he must be punished. <laughs> I thought, whatever happened to throw the first stone? You who are without sin, throw the first stone. Who of us hasn't said something that we regret? Who of us haven't, haven't erred in, in those ways? And we may, we may have said it and, and pulled it back right away, or we may have said it and just let it go. We may have even written it. But I thought, who is this guy to say, it doesn't matter if it's 25 years ago, if you said it, you're going to be punished. Such self-righteousness that 
that is a that is an ethic the ethic of not throwing the first stone has been drained in so many ways from our time whatever happened to that self-governing phrase you who is without sin whatever happened to that but it it drains away in a culture that that forgets about the reality of who God is the redemptive work of God let's face it if there is no God then we are the judge if there is no God we don't become more merciful we don't become better people without God we become worse we become judgmental we become tribal we become hateful because there's no accountability outside of ourselves but instead those words and may they never be lost to us and that is let you who are without sin throw the first stone it says that of that crowd that standing around, that stood around on that morning, you could hear the stones drop, one upon the other, click, clack, and they started to walk away. Beginning with the oldest guys first, because old guys done a lot of bad things. <laughs> Young guys done a lot of bad things too, but somehow they're justifying. And you know, there's sort of a, a sort of an attitude that somehow older people are more judgmental. Not in my experience. They've seen it all, and if they haven't seen it themselves, they've or done it themselves. They've got children or grandchildren. And they become so much more understanding, and so much more tender. So it was, a, it was I think, a, a very prudent recognition of the gospel writer to say it was the old guys who left first. And finally, the youngest, probably throwing the rock down and going away. And who's left? The woman, alone with Jesus. Just the two of them. And in my mind's eye, this dear woman was herself on the ground. That Jesus descended to the ground to write in the dust because she was already on her hands and knees on the ground watching tears drop off the end of her nose. Out of her fear and anguish so the two and Jesus straightens up and he said woman has no one condemned you and she said no sir no Lord and then Jesus said neither do I does that mean that she just gets away with it he reminded her then about leaving a life of sin. But does that mean that all of those other instances, however many times it happened, that she just gets off scot-free? <clears throat> what it means is that Jesus 
As he stood up and began to walk away, probably giving her a hug, the next step he took was toward the cross. For he had to pay the price. And he paid the price not just for her, for the requirements of, of a just world and a just universe. He paid the price not just for her, but for the guy that got off scot-free that morning. For the men who had dropped their stones and walked away. But Jesus himself determined that the requirements of the law would be met. That justice would be made perfect. While at the same time, mercy would be made perfect. By taking his sin onto himself, onto the cross. And thereby, fulfilling the requirements not only of the law, but of the mercy of God. Jesus paid the price for our sin. He atoned. He made one for us. Made us one with God again by taking our sin upon himself. This is why church ought to be a place that somehow reflects that reality. And not this harsh, judgmental reality that we see emerging in our culture around us almost every day, every time we turn on the news. Whether it's canceling or whatever it is, somebody getting fired for this or that. We've seen so much of this. And rather than getting to the side of being one of those in the, in the crowd ready to throw a stone, we look to Jesus who himself is, is willing to bear with that woman the stones if they started to fly. But he also would bear that punishment. But when those stones were not thrown, he would bear the punishment. Death on the cross. So that's our war. That's who Jesus is. He is the one who bears our iniquities, bears our sin, and takes them with him even into hell. And now he's on the right hand of God, interceding on our behalf. You join me in prayer. So, Father, all have sinned, fall short of your glory. Forgive us when we simply try to explain it away. Forgive us, O oh Lord, when we make all kinds of rationalizations. May we instead simply lay them at your feet, those feet that have been pierced on our behalf, and there, O oh Lord, may we know that we are fully forgiven. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Savior and our Lord. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. 
For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.